The Garden Report is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Hey, Bobby Manning here. Welcome to The Garden Report, and welcome back to Lauren Williams of AJC for a Celtics Hawks preview that she didn't think she'd be given when we last <laughs> talked up in Boston. Uh, but here we are, game one tomorrow as we record this. We did a preview show last night. We didn't talk a ton about this series. Look back on the season and uh, played some games and such. But I do want to dive deep on this series line because I was saying last night, I'm just looking for something here because everyone thinks this is going to be a sweep. Everyone thinks uh-huh. this is going to be a breeze for the Celtics. And it could be, especially if they lock in, I think, and play at their best. I don't know if Atlanta can match up with them. But the Hawks aren't bad. I mean, they're not good, but they're not bad either. And I do think they do some interesting things and some things you saw in that play-in game that could challenge the Celtics. I'm just trying to pin down what exactly it might be that would make them competitive in this series. You know, I think one of the biggest things that worked for the Hawks in that playing game against the Heat was that they came out and played physically from the start. Of course, there's a little bit of a drop-off in the third quarter, but if they can continue to play physically through the entire game and, and kind of give that first punch, I think that could be what helps them to make this as competitive as possible, especially since we know that the Celtics are going to be firing from three um, all throughout the night. That's just kind of what they did. When you look at uh, the most amount of threes that the Hawks have given up uh, throughout the season, the Celtics are in the top five of that. <laughs> so yeah. they gave up a season-high 25 three-pointers to Celtics bench on Sunday. Granted, they were playing bench versus bench, but that's still a pretty big deal. And then it's 20 and 19 um in the first two matchups that they had throughout the season so that's something that the note that the Hawks know is a part of the the Celtics's identity and and that's going to be of course one of the things that they try to limit um and make this game as competitive as possible especially since the Hawks have been a little bit streaky as a team from three yeah and I'm surprised I was looking at the numbers last night their three-point volume hasn't gone up immensely under Quinn Snyder and I thought it would have skyrocketed uh, they need to match the Celtics' volume from three. or They're going to have a hard time keeping up offensively. I know they rank in the top five, six since Snyder took over offensively. But uh, as you said, it's been inconsistent from three, and the volume isn't there. And the Celtics, they're so methodical with it. They're going to show up shooting 45, 50, sometimes as many as like 55 threes. And that, if you're shooting like 30, it's just you're going to have to shoot like close to 50% to keep up. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things that Quinn has really tried to encourage these guys to do is, is just take those shots. Um, one of the things that I think the Hawks can kind of get into a little bit of a rut with is they pump fake and then try and go inside. And then the defense has time to react in inside the paint. And that's where they get shut down. Whereas Quinn would like them, if it's a good look, take the shot. Um, he can live with if it is short or a little bit long, but as long as you're trying to take that shot, it gives guys like Clint Capella, Onyeko Kongu, maybe even some of those guards like Trey Young or, or um, Deshante Murray a chance to maybe grab those rebounds and give those guys a second chance at at a at a, at a um, at the basket. Sorry, I blanked a little bit. Right there. It is it is nine thirty. <laughs> 
I'm I'm curious on the young Murray dynamic coming into this because I think that's why many people looked at the Hawks and thought they'd take a big step this year. Many people love Murray. A lot of Celtics fans wanted Murray here when he's back with the Spurs. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had a decent season, it looked like. This this off-ball young thing, though, that everyone imagined just never really came to fruition, it looks like, though. And I know they're trying it more under Snyder here and uh, trying to get him freed up off the ball. But it, I think plenty of people had doubts Young would commit to that, and I do think it's probably been a little up and down in terms of how he that's actually gone between those two. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is that they've been trying to figure out that balance of sacrificing, um, but not necessarily sacrificing their game. Um, what I think has been interpreted by these two is just that, okay, when it's your time off the court and and on the bench, this is my time to shine and lead these guys. Um, When I'm on the bench, that's when you go and do your thing. So um, I think that what needs to continue happening and and this is where they're going to have to evolve is knowing when, um, you know, each person's strength matches up depending on what the, the opponent is giving them. And I don't think they've quite kind of mastered that yet and I think Quinn is kind of helping um, them to see the floor in a way I think the way that both Trey and DeJounte talk about how Quinn has helped them see the game um, it's been a huge huge thing for them and and they love his attention to detail and so I think they just needed a kind of new perspective um, and Quinn has given that so we'll see if some of those conversations that they've been having with Snyder um, kind of manifests in the playoffs now yeah and they can score. I, mm-hmm. I don't think the offense is as big of an issue. It's the defense going back years. Mm-hmm. And the, the biggest question in this series from their perspective, I think, is whether they're going to be able to keep Young out of mismatches. And they did against the Heat pretty effectively. I, I still don't know if that's the Heat falling asleep and not getting themselves into those uh, advantages. The Celtics mm-hmm. are, again, methodical with that. They're, they're just so in tune with these things offensively. It's why they were number two offensively this year. They, they just get Tatum on guards. Smart can attack these guys. The guards screen to create those mismatches. So they're going to be going at him all series. And I don't know how the Hawks keep him out of that. Yeah, I think for as far as as far as with Trey, it's just going to be about effort, right? Um, I think... One of the things that he has said throughout the season is that DeJounte being in the lineup with him, being in the rotation with him has allowed him to be a little bit more aggressive than he usually might have been in the past. And so I think that, you know, as long as Trey is giving that 100% on every single possession, not giving up, playing through each possession, um, I think that can that can be a, a huge thing for the Hawks, especially because uh, we've seen him have some really good moments when he sticks with his matchup, um, not get caught up in the switch. And, and we see him kind of poke the ball away and it, it leads in them getting a fast break. So, um, yeah, I think one of the things that they're going to have to see is just Trey committing 100% and making sure that everybody's communicating all throughout every possession. They're playing through possessions and they're not giving up um, easy buckets. Yeah, and I do wonder how they'll guard the Celtics right, uh-huh. from a lineup perspective, too, because they can go small with, with Collins inside. Though one of their advantages, and the one we saw in that Heat series, was the offensive rebounding was the play of their big guys. And Clint Capella, 
is rolling coming into the playoffs. But it's going to be a fine line for them because you got Horford on the other side at center shooting 45%. And can he get out and guard that? Um, you know, is he going to get in foul trouble with Brown right. and Tatum attacking? Uh, there's just a million questions there. But that seems to be a strength mm-hmm. going into the series that they might just have to lean on is trying to outsize, as you said to start the show, out physical the Celtics. And mm-hmm. um, Celtics, I think, surprisingly, number one in defensive rebounding this year. Yes. They were pretty attentive to that. They gang rebounded. They really put a great effort in on that area and had a few slip-ups. Utah games were bad. There were other instances where that hurt them. That could be a factor in the series. And then, of course, there's the great bench duo that's rolling out, too, at that spot in Okongwu and uh, Jalen Johnson. And, you know, Robert Williams is going to come off the Celtics bench, so he gives them something there to match up at that spot. Mm -hmm. But that is one area I look at and say, all right, maybe the Hawks have something there. Yeah, I think just the athleticism that both Jalen Johnson and Onyeka Kwangu have given them on the defensive end has been huge. I mean, we've seen Onyeka kind of inch out to the perimeter to match up against some of those smaller players and kind of try and to. They need that against three. Boston. They really do. Absolutely. <laughs> but the other thing is, I think because. Um, he has so much confidence in Jalen Johnson to kind of be a little bit of a rim protector. That's why, you know, he's been so much more comfortable kind of inching out toward that perimeter. But he's still athletic enough that as people try to drive into the paint, he can get back and, and be there in time to get those block shots. His instincts have just been amazing, especially since Quinn Snyder has taken over. I think uh, Quinn has kind of taken Onyeka under his wing a bit and has been coaching him up. I mean, we've seen him work with Rudy Gobert back in Utah. Granted, it's Rudy Gobert. <laughs> but, I mean, if you have a guy who's coaching you up, as Quinn Snyder has, a pick-and-roll savant, I, I hope that, you know, Quinn can kind of help him translate some of those things onto the defensive end. What works for you on the offensive end, try and counteract it and use it for, to your advantage on the defensive end. But, um, I, I think a lot can just be said about Jalen Johnson as well and his instincts. Granted, he's still very, very young. And, and one of the things that he'll have to continue to work on is being disciplined and not getting some of those ticky-tack fouls, which I think Boston can end up baiting him into. So I think that will be something that'll be interesting to see how disciplined both he and Onyeka Okongu are on the defensive end and not getting baited into some of those fouls that some of those veteran players are going to be looking to yeah, try again. Yeah, and Okongu's that guy. I, I look at him and I saw so much potential. I love his game defensively. That All that versatility you talk about seems to be potentially key to unlocking this team on that end. And I'm, yeah. I'm almost surprised. I know Clint's a great player. Uh, he's got that chemistry with Young in the pick and roll, and that's sort of the foundation of everything mm-hmm. they do. Uh, but I thought maybe by this point, Okongu would have emerged and surpassed Capella, or they would have shaken up that front court. And I know Collins is in trade talks every year. That's part of it. Just a packed front court. Mm-hmm. Now you add Johnson to that. Uh, and they're going to have a lot of interesting choices lineup and rotation-wise in this series. Because as you said, it almost feels like Okongu's a better fit what they need to do defensively against Boston in this series and Capella, who again against this team and all the threes and the Celtics have slipped a little bit efficiency wise, but there's just so many shooters, so many threes you have to guard possession in, possession out. It can pile up on you fast. And that happened mm-hmm. during the regular season of this team. They fell behind big time in that second game. Yeah, I think 
I mean, I think the thing too with Clint is that he can get out onto the perimeter. I just don't know, um, you know, how quickly he can get back. And that's where Collins kind of comes in to try and be that yeah. kind of backup rim protector for them. And so I think that's where the Hawks need John Collins to step up a little bit more on the defensive end is just making sure that he doesn't let those guys blow by him when he's back there on the low post. So, yeah, I, I think that'll be interesting. And, you know, that's where Collins can shine as well as if the Celtics do end up missing that three. He can be that guy that can potentially grab that long rebound and, and help those guys get back out into transition as quickly as possible. So um, I do think the biggest thing for the Hawks is just pushing the pace as well. And we know that they're a team that can play fast. They just have to make sure that they don't get stuck in – the Celtics' game. What changed for Johnson? Because that that is probably the other guy I look at in this series and get super yeah. intrigued by. Because was a rookie last year, right? Almost. Yep, he played most of the yeah, season in the G League. Almost a no but... show at the NBA level. Everybody looked there and said, "Oh mm-hmm. man, what a we'll pick." And then this year, especially once since Snyder took over, you just hear about him constantly, and he, he was phenomenal yeah. in that playing game. Third quarter. Yeah. All those plays into the fourth save the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is just that he has been emboldened by Quinn. And that's not to say that Nate McMillan didn't do that for him. But I think um, when you mix in the confidence that his teammates have in him, especially and then you add in a confidence of a head coach of Quinn Snyder's caliber, I think that just kind of, you know, gives you a little bit of a boost that you can go out there and and make mistakes. And I think that's the biggest thing that might be the difference for me in, in watching, you know, the ascendance of Jalen Johnson a little bit. I know <laughs> ascendance is a big word um, to describe this kind of uptick in his production. But um, I think he just has a little bit of a longer leash to kind of go out there and, and make those mistakes. And what's the best way to learn? It's to make mistakes. And so um, I think that it's just kind of a different... Uh, approach with how Quinn is helping him develop and it's just like go out there play hard be aggressive um, and then you know make your mistakes I'm here to kind of coach you up and and help you um, you know kind of make up for it because we did see some mistakes in in that playing game there was like a turnover uh, early in the the second half and it ended up being a heat bucket at the other end I believe Um, so He's still young. He still has a lot to learn, and and we're excited to continue watching it. And I think him being in the playoffs for the first time, it's it's only going to help fast track that development. Yeah, six games going into the playoffs, 10-5-3 with a block and a steal. Pretty wide range of mm-hmm. impact here, which is uh, remarkable to see. And I guess that time in the G League last year, and as you said, minutes make a ton of a difference for a, for a young guy. And- yeah. I, I don't know if you expected that from Snyder coming in because he did always coach veteran teams out there in Utah. There weren't many young guys. I guess Donovan Mitchell emerged under him, and you know, he shot the superstar mm-hmm. him so fast you didn't even think of him as a young guy. But uh, in terms of like development, mm-hmm. it, it's surprising to see how far this guy has come. And I don't know if he's someone who can swing or shake up this series, especially with the following that you talk about. Um, but it it gives them something like the size really against Boston yeah. is something of an equalizer because they're not as big of a team this year. They're running single big Tatum and Brown are at the wings, mm-hmm. uh, forward spots. They're in key rebounding positions now. And I think what goes underplayed a little bit going into the series is that 
one of the first fours off the bench, the guy who's sort of at that Okongwu, um, uh, Johnson spot, rather, is Grant Williams. And he has really struggled in the second half of the season. Um, even in that Hawks game, it was just six minutes on Sunday, but tosses up this air ball floater, thinks he gets fouled and falls on the ground and just kind of sits there for a few minutes. It was, it was the story that. of the season. <laughs> and so that's the one area I look at yeah. and say, all right, how's that going to shake out here? It's like down at the bottom of both these teams' rotations, but um, it is an interesting thing. That the counter to that though is that Sam Hauser is seventeen for twenty-five against yes. Atlanta this year. He has been a Hawks yeah. pillar <laughs> this season. <laughs> and if Hawks fans feel that uh, way, he does have more points against the Hawks than any other team this season. Oh my goodness! It just seems like any time that the Hawks and Celtics play together or play against each other, excuse me. It's just Sam Hauser getting bucket <laughs> after bucket after bucket. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure that, you, you know, they are taking as many lessons as they can from the regular season as they possibly can. But I think the other thing is Clint, or excuse me, Clint Capella said it at practice yesterday when he talked to him is that, they're kind of approaching the postseason as if it's a clean slate and it's a whole new set of games just because you're focused on one opponent as opposed to maybe three or four in the span of a week. So I, I hope that might be enough of a difference for them. It's just that, you know, they know what they have ahead of them and they know that it's a series. They're going to be playing best of seven. Um, so, yeah, I think you have to take that into account that, the postseason is just a little bit different. If they do stay 500, that'll actually be good in this series as they have all year. <laughs> uh, let's talk some Celtics here because a couple um, – there's some fun stuff about this series from a story perspective, Lauren. I know all of the writers in Boston, mm-hmm. especially our Joe Sway Pavone, were bummed that it's not Miami that we're heading down to next week. But I've never <laughs> been to Atlanta – some interesting connections, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jalen Brown from the area, Malcolm Brogdon from the area. Um, Al Horford played mm-hmm. and thrived in Atlanta for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and Damon Stoudemire, their assistant, just took over at Georgia Tech. So a lot of great stories mm-hmm. going into this series off the court, which intrigued me. Um, on the court, Jalen Brown, um, he's in this all-NBA mix. It looks like he's going to make it. He cut his hand on a glass or something before the playoffs started. Yeah. Uh, and he returned to practice yesterday. And I think everybody pointed out uh, who watched some of the videos we posted, wasn't really shooting, passing from what we could see. And we do get into practice pretty late. I'm sure you understand that. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I'm still curious at how he looks coming into this series because it looks like the cuts right on his right index finger. Uh, got five stitches missed two games they've really yeah underplayed it a little bit and i don't know if that's because it's just not that severe or they're just underplaying it and he is back at practice now which is good and he'll practice again today we'll see if he does some more stuff at least visibly to us but that's a factor coming into this series seeing Jalen for the first time since this weird injury yeah i think i mean Listen, the Hawks know how much of a dynamic duo the the two Jays are, as I know they're fondly referred yeah. <laughs> to. So um, obviously you never want to see a player miss any time, but I'm sure the Hawks 
won't be upset <laughs> if he needs another game to kind of heal up before coming back to the playoffs. Yeah, and I, I don't see that happen. I think he gets out there no matter what because it is the playoffs. But yeah. is he the same Jalen? I mean, this guy was scorching going into the playoffs. One of the hottest scorers in the league. Just lethal efficiency, especially in transition. And it's another thing for the Hawks. Mm-hmm. If, if they let the Celtics go in transition, they've just been automatic there this year. Going back to the beginning of March, in 17 games, he was averaging 27 a game, six rebounds, four assists, shooting 50% from the field on 22 shots. And a lot of that really tough mid-range shots. So if his shot's off at all because of that cut on his right index finger, yeah, if this was his left hand, I don't think anyone would be concerned. But it's that right hand, and I still haven't seen him take a shot yet since he cut it. And uh, doesn't look like it was as bad of a cut as it originally looked when his hand was like covered up five times over and wrapped. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's a factor for sure here. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, that shooting hand, that right index finger is yeah. pretty important <laughs> for that release. So if he's kind of having to nurse it a little bit more, I wouldn't be surprised to, if that shot is off just a little bit. Um, or maybe he just needs a little bit of time to kind of get back into rhythm after having not shot for, as you mentioned, a couple of games and um, a few weeks or anything like that. So, um Listen, the Hawks give up a lot of points in the paint, though. Um, it's cut down a little bit since Quinn has come in. But, I mean, that's kind of where, you know, we could see Jalen maybe take a little bit more shots, especially um, since he can't necessarily do those those shots from long range. So, I don't know. I it, It'll be a little bit of a different um, approach maybe to how the Hawks have to defend that. But, We'll see where what what happens. Just they just need to make sure that they get back out into transition because that's another thing that they've struggled with this yeah. season. And Joe was Joe Mazzulli was talking about that yesterday. How important that's going to be. That's where they find a lot of their cross matches. Uh, and to do that, they're going to have to rebound. They're going to have to not foul, which can be tough against Trey Young. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are little little things that I think they're going to have to look out for here in terms of matching up. But from the Hawks side. How do you go about slowing Jason Tatum? Because that would probably be job number one uh, going into this series. And his first quarter stats can be shaky from a shooting perspective. Yes. Uh, he gets off to slow starts sometimes, and I think that's where the Hawks could really catch the Celtics and keep the game close, take a small lead early, mm-hmm. hit some shots themselves, mm-hmm. uh, and try to make the Celtics chase them a little bit. Yeah, I think the thing with the Hawks is that if they get off to a really good start, um, you question what they will look like when they come back at halftime. <laughs> you saw it in that Miami game. They got out to a really weird kind of like, okay, start. And then Miami just went on run after run after run and eventually got the game to about five with like 237 left in the third quarter. So that's kind of where the Celtics might jump back on them is that even if the Hawks maybe get, let's say, a, a five-point lead, seven-point lead or something going into the half, that's going to go away in an instant with a team like the Celtics that are so experienced and so disciplined with playing all four quarters um, that I think that's just kind of where the Hawks will have to improve is just making sure that they're carrying the energy from every single frame all the way till that final. Does anyone else stick out in the Celtics and X factor on each side here? 
for me, it's definitely Al Horford. You you kind of touched on it um, at the beginning or earlier in the show with just how he's shooting. And if the Hawks kind of leave him open, I just see him punishing them on shot after shot after shot. And then we also touched on Sam Hauser. I think he's, he's going to play. He's I think he all, is. Yeah. I just think he just burns them every single time. Um, and then also Peyton Pritchard. You think he'll play? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, he played really, really well against them in that season finale. Granted, it was bench yeah. against bench, uh, but triple double, career high thirty points or thirty one points. It's just, it's just hard to imagine that you know he might not necessarily he might not get a burn, especially when you're putting them up against the the young guys. But uh, Malcolm Brogdon as well. I know we haven't. Well, the Hawks haven't seen him a ton this season. Um, I think a couple of those games that they played he was out for for some reason or another but yeah and then you also have Derek White can't forget the him depth here is crazy <laughs> and I, I think I, someone said yeah. this to me recently uh that these playoffs more than any other might show that it's more about depth yeah. now than star power and the Celtics have both of course here but yeah teams with the singular stars and you do see some of them that have middled this year whether it's the Lakers or um, mm-hmm. you know, some other teams in those playing mix, young hair. Uh, think of some of the other playing teams, Miami. It's more about the depth and the layers that you can hit yeah. teams in than having the top end talent because everyone has the top end talent really now. Every team has a star or two that they really love, but what can you do around them? And the Hawks, like, I like a lot of their players, Hunter, so much potential mm-hmm. there. I remember watching him at UVA when I was up at Syracuse and. Bogdanovich is just a lethal shooter. Mm-hmm. And the bench, I see, shoots 48% from the field. Great runs yeah. against Miami. So there is depth here in Atlanta. I just I just worry how well it stacks up against Boston's the, the Boston Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Because like I was just rattling off names, and I was like, well, oh, yeah, Malcolm Brogdon. Oh, yeah, Derek White. And then you mentioned Grant Williams. You didn't Williams. Even mention Robert was- Williams. Yeah, Robert Williams. I mean, I know you mentioned Grant Williams struggling a little bit, but we saw what he did in the playoffs last season where he just kind of exploded. And so maybe he's due for one of those games or one of those series where he just kind of just finds his his rhythm again. So um, I just feel like you can rattle off a number of names on that Boston Celtics roster and you're just like, oh, yeah. He could he could definitely give the Hawks some trouble. Yep, that guy can give the Hawks some trouble there as well. So I just think that depth might be the X factor, not even just one particular player, but just the depth in general um, might be the X factor for the Celtics being able to put this series away quickly if they need to. But the Hawks will come out motivated for sure. And very motivated. How, how long do you see this series potentially going? Like How far could the Hawks easily push it i could you know i could see the hawks messing around and maybe picking up a win or two so maybe five or six but we'll see i mean the hawks they 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 want this i think that's what they know that it comes down to is how badly they want this and i think as long as they stay focused and and disciplined it can it can be a competitive series for sure i'm keeping my eye on five it's it's gonna be trouble for boston on their own end, I think, if they let this mm-hmm. go to six. And I think, as our John Zana said last night, if if this series extends to six, seven, you, mm-hmm. you know, you, you, 
you're not worried about the Celtics losing it, but you're worried about what they're going to do beyond this series at that point. Like, are they good enough right. to beat the Bucks? Are they good enough to secure a championship this year? Because a lot of the talk, you know, we're taking our opponents seriously here at practice mm-hmm. yesterday. But everyone was sort of grinning at that because the Celtics team lost to the Rockets, to the Thunder, mm-hmm. to the Magic three times, to the Pacers during the year. And this Hawks team's better than all of those teams. So if they overlook... yeah. But to counteract that, the Hawks have lost to those teams as well. (laughs) (laughs) But it's just a matter of taking your opponent seriously. And the Celtics, if we throw it back a year ago, they they faced that loaded Nets team round one. They're on their toes from the start and just jumped all over them. And I think that could have happened against the Heat too, just given the history between these teams. There's an alertness to going against that group. I, I my biggest fear in this series for Boston is that they look at the other side and just roll their eyes and think they have this and just start launching threes and settling and they slip up in a game or two here. And all of a sudden it's a little bit of a competitive series. Cause that's all the Hawks really need to some degree. I think it's just a little bit of a belief, a belief. Um, mm-hmm. If they go down two nothing or even three, nothing, they're probably going to fade from the series pretty quickly. Yeah. But I, I also think this team, I look at their response to that panel of ESPN reporters all picking the. Heat well, it's going to be the same thing here. Everyone's going to be saying sweep. It's the same exact thing when they face the Celtics. So they know that everyone is counting them out and they definitely um, want to prove that you shouldn't count them out. So we'll see if, if they use this bulletin board material to their advantage and, and jump out. Um, and and set the tone, but if they don't, then I'm I'm with you. I think it's five. It's a five game series. And uh, last thing I got for you, how, how important is? And I'm sure we'll talk again over the off season, or you know, whenever we yeah. catch up. How important is this series for Young? Because I get the, I get the email in my inbox. Odds on his next team. Like you just hear mm-hmm. a little bit of chatter about that now, and the direction of this group. I'm sure Snyder's going to have some more say on the roster going forward now that he's there. And I just wonder because I look at the roster again. A lot of good stuff here. You got Murray, who had a solid season. He's probably part of what they're doing going forward, though. He's going to need a new deal soon. Um, mm-hmm. Where's Young go from here if they do just bow out of this series quickly and that's it for the Hawks in a sweeper, you know, five games, whatever it is? Like, are they really committed to him? Is he, are they all in on Trey Young or do you think they're going to start to think about what this roster looks like after this year? You know, I I do think they know that they have to make some changes to the roster because you can't trot out the same core that you had that took them to the Eastern Conference Finals. That was um, so long ago now. Yes, and expect this exactly and expect the same results. You think about it, this team had Trey. Um, the only person that wasn't a part of that core was DeJounte. Um, and so I do think that some changes need to happen. Um, who the changes are, you know, I can't 100% say right now, 100% say right now, but I don't necessarily think that Trey would be one of them. I you do think they're think, locked into him. I think that there's still intrigued by this backcourt of Trey Young and DeJounte Murray and they want to see this through. I mean, you can't give up three first round picks for a guy and and say sayonara after one year. I think they they want to see this through. So I think 
if there's anybody that's on the move is it's they're gonna still try and see if they can move john collins um because he's a perennial trade <laughs> a trade rumor um <laughs> i can't wait for that so, again exactly and so i think that's the I think that might be the, the, the thing that they they use to to try and maybe make some changes just because they locked Bogey into another four year deal. They locked uh, DeAndre Hunter into a deal at the beginning of the season. So um, it's going to be a little bit harder to move those guys, whereas John, you know, he's he's still kind of moving through that contract. So, yeah, I think the biggest yeah. problem here and you mentioned Collins is, and there's just too many guys at the same positions mm-hmm. kind of blocking each other you, you got aj griffin even that we didn't mention here who's gonna yes. have to develop but there's so many guys in front of him that became the problem with johnson last year and okongu has yeah. got capella in front of him and even and they has hunter in front yeah, of him yeah I, I, basically do for both he and Okongu are going to be due for for some contracts because they're both from the same draft there's just class. a little too much here um Mm-hmm. And I don't know how they thin it out. They probably should have made a move on Collins earlier. And who knows what the offers were. But that's the guy you look at here who's just stagnated a little bit. Got huge mm-hmm. money, which I think is mm-hmm. a problem here, too, for this team. Is the the price just keeps they like to spend. on this. <laughs> they like to spend on their guys as opposed to maybe trying to find um, some talent out there that they can spread over a few positions. And, and what are the trades depth. they've made in recent – like? The Herder one, bad trade. I mean, yeah. they got Sadiq Bay for the five second round picks. Um, they tr- yeah, they traded Herder for Justin Holiday and Mo Harkless. That was a low key terrible trade. Yeah, um, they traded Cam Reddish to New York and got Kevin Knox and forgot maybe what the pick was that they got in return but yeah, yeah they haven't done enough there and it, you know the front office is turning over a little bit now which is interesting too um mm-hmm. you know they got their new coach so we'll, we'll see where this goes there's enough here to be intrigued and i do i was for sure you know telling wes goldberg who i talked to on um whatever day it was <laughs> um this is the team you look out for if Jalen the summer says uh, oh he doesn't get the supermax so there's some uncertainty about his future in boston or you know whatever happens there i'm growing less concerned about that than i was after all those interviews he gave especially now that it looks like there's yes. some real momentum toward him getting all nba and the supermax and such uh, but this is the team i think that that probably rockets to the top of that list if there's any question about brown's future because they have stuff to offer brown would probably mm-hmm. stay in atlanta long term um, you know, given his uh, connection to the area and all that, and you know his ability to almost become the front man of this team. That's what I'm looking at. I I, I don't want to sound any alarms or panic or anything on that front, but I'm always just looking ahead, and that's something on my mind. Yeah. And I'm sure a lot of Hawks fans kind of think about that in the back of their head too. Yeah, they definitely do. A lot of Hawks fans, I think, would be really thrilled if Jalen Brown um, was in a Hawks jersey next season but you have to think about how that that fit would work if Trey Young is still here and 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 Jalen Brown's added to that mix so all right she is Lauren Williams she will be in Boston soon covering this series so of course give her a follow I'm sure we'll talk to her throughout 
and get some perspective from her. Yeah. Appreciate your time here this morning. She'll be over at Hawks practice. I'm heading out to Celtics practice as well here before we get going tomorrow. Uh, and of course, check out her work at Williams Lauren L on Twitter. And of course at AJC, anything good in the works, Lauren? Yeah, we're going to be talking to these first timers heading to the playoffs. So definitely want to get their perspective on what these vets have been giving them advice on because there's nothing like your first playoffs, yes, right? For sure. And I'm excited <laughs> it's finally here. This should be good. Appreciate yes. you, Lauren. Uh, great talking to you in our couple uh, show spots here. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right. That's it for our show today. That's it for our shows this week. Next time we talk to you, it will be playoff time for real. Um, game one, three thirty tomorrow. Post game at six. We'll be there at the Garden. Sherrod, Joe Sway, and myself, uh, and I'll be giving you some reports from practice today as well. So stay tuned to Celtics CLNS and me over at Real Bob Manning. And uh, enjoy your Friday. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy game one. It's gonna be fun between these two teams, and it's finally playoff time. So stay tuned for more of these daily Garden reports. Uh, we'll try to send out alerts. But the best way to know we're going live on a dime is to turn on notifications for the channels. Celtics, Celtics All Access, CLNS Media. Go hit the bell on the channel. Subscribe. And it's a big help to us here with what we do here at the Garden Report. I'm Bobby Manning once more. Thanks, everybody, for stopping by. And I will see you in about an hour down at practice.